Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 63 of Murphy's Law. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. We had a week off as I uh, got back to work, and then my schedule is just a complete disaster, but I'm going to try to keep working at it and, and get it chipped away so we can get back on, on track with you guys. Um, we had the biggest news we've had in months uh, this week, and Charles and I are super excited to talk about it. But first, got to check in with Charles and see how he's doing. I'm doing fine. I'm very, very excited that we have some a lot super exciting stuff to talk about, especially you know the big um, Ant Man casting over. So let's get to it. Uh, Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang the Conqueror. Holy, no one saw this coming. I guess no one sort of put Kang. No one, no one sort of thought to put Kang in an Ant Man movie except Kevin Feige. But they're doing it. Kang is going to be in the fucking MCU. He's going to debut in Ant Man three. Jonathan Majors is playing him. What are your thoughts? Uh, are you excited? I'm over the moon on on two different counts here. Like I think I was watching uh, Lovecraft with my with my wife and and looking at majors and just was so impressed uh, with the guy. And and I said I was like, this dude is a fucking superhero. Uh, now I didn't expect him to be a supervillain, but but just everything about him gave off the vibe that he was going to be an actor that somebody chased to get into one of these films. And so since the Marvel films are my favorite, I'm obviously thrilled that he's there. Um, but Kang to me is one of my favorite villains. I've, I think I, we talked about it a little while ago, like I have spent studying him and reading about him and it's just, he's such a crazy character with so many twists and turns, but at the core of the character, he's one of my favorite villains. And, uh, one of the, one of the reasons I was so excited that Marvel and, or Disney and Fox made that deal years ago was about Kang. I, I just wanted him back so badly because you could see so many different ways his character could could take off in the MCU. Now, especially that we've seen the time travel stuff in Endgame, this is perfect. This is perfect timing for Kang. And uh, I think for us, for you and I, this is really cool because it really seems to indicate that some of the rumors and some of the stuff that we've shared with people dating back almost a year probably are accurate and that's really really cool yeah i mean there's so much to take with this with this report i mean just from the majors casting oh i've been watching like i've been watching lovecraft country since uh since it started and i i saw him recently in um the the, the spike lee movie uh the five bloods with the chadwick boseman he was really great in that and i, and I saw uh, his other movie the last black man in san francisco a couple of months back and in all those films, he was easily like, like the like the scene stealer, and just to to hear that he's he's about to join the big leagues, the superhero big leagues, is very very exciting. Um, for me, I, the fact that he's playing a supervillain is sort of to me at this point. It, I think it's better to play a supervillain than to be a hero. Supervillains sort of get a get a bad rap at, at the MCU, but recently they've been nothing but amazing. And to get someone like you know like like majors to play a, a multiple film appearance character like like. Like Kang, shit. I mean, he might just give Josh Brolin a run, a run for his money at this point because he's such a great dude, and it looks like we're gonna get you know this character as the big bad. I am curious on how it's all gonna work out. You know, Kang is an enemy of the Young Avengers. If you're talking about the Young Avengers appearing in Ant Man three for the longest time, I wonder how that's gonna sort of work out because Kang, at least, at least a version of him, was part of the Young Avengers. I, I don't know how they're gonna do that here with Majors. I wonder if we're gonna see. Like a younger version of Kang, another like a sort of a younger Kang, the Conqueror version here with 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 Scott Steam or something, and then the the real Kang Jonathan Major shows up and they fight. But man, there's there's just so much to take in here, and 
and I cannot fucking wait to see what their what their plans are for the third film. Yeah, and it's exciting because beyond beyond the fact that we're getting Kang, um, I was talking with someone this week, and he mentioned that like they're not actively casting Ant Man three right now, which means that Majors being cast as Kang is probably ticketed for other appearances before Ant-Man yeah. 3. Um, Ant-Man 3 is not filming until late May, early June of next year. So they don't usually cast that far out. When they when they do, it's a pretty good indicator that we're going to see him in another property. So it could be with Loki filming, we obviously could see him there. Um, and the other great thing about about this is the other the other thing that we've talked about for a while now was we've heard over and over again that they had they had targeted Ant-Man 3 to be a big action picture, like more of a spectacle than the first two. We, you and I have talked about this at least on a half dozen different podcasts. Like the other two were always like the small palate cleansers after big movies. And this is going to give Ant-Man three was supposed to give that, that franchise. It's it's big moment. Like it's time to shine. And now that we get the idea that Kang is in it and yeah, probably this young Avengers rumor that we've been sharing for over a year, is looking more and more likely we can see how this movie could be massive, could really just be like the turning point for phase four, right? Like the point where after this movie, nothing else in phase four is going to be the same. It starts to feel like every one of these phase four movies is like that. We know Dr. Strange is going to be a huge deal. Now we know Ant-Man's Ant-Man three is going to be a big deal. Um, It's just really exciting to think about how many different big spectacle movies they're getting ready to put out. It's like every movie from here on out is going to be like on the scale of civil war. How do you think they're going to tackle the time travel stuff? You think because Ant-Man, because the character and the Pym Particles are sort of centered around the whole notion of time travel in the MCU, you th- do you think, you know, do you think that's like the main reason they're, they're, they're bringing in Kang and Ant-Man because of the Pym Particles? Or you think they're going to just, you know, explain Kang's time travel abilities in a different way? I think by the time, like Kang's from the 41st century, I think he's probably going to have his own way to, uh, of time traveling. Maybe it's based in in Tony's early in early in the early work of Tony Stark. I don't know. I just my feeling has been for the longest time, and, and I think we talked about this in Slack a little bit. Um, when Tony said in, a, in Endgame that time would mess back, like this is it. Like this, he's coming because they have screwed with time, and and Kang as the Lord of all time is coming now to our time to try to figure out what the hell is going on and how to fix it. And this is, this is part, you know, part comic book Kang. This is part um, Avengers earth mightiest hero Kang. There's an anomaly that has screwed up the guy who like he, he, he's the conqueror of, of everything that is time. And now he's going to be pissed. So this is, this is the retaliation to them for time travel, right? This is, this is what's going on. So I guess it's probably going to have to have to tie into the quantum realm at some point. Uh, otherwise, it would make all that setup and all the stuff they did irrelevant for that third movie, which would be silly. But I also think we're going to see a, a different take on it with him. He's going to be able to do things that they couldn't do. Like you can think about how many cool advances could be made over the next couple thousand years, and I yeah, think he's no. going to have them all. You also got to remember the Iron Man. Tony Stark created this Iron Man suit in two thousand eight, and by like less than twenty years, he 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 discovers time travel. So in the, in in those 20 years alone, the, techn- the technological jump is massive. So imagine, you know, if you add a thousand years to that, who knows what the fuck, you know, yeah. Kang might be utilizing in the future. Um, I saw, like, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people say that, you know, Kang, because of his connection to Reed Richards, people are taking this, uh, like, as, as a concrete connection, like, oh, shit, 
if you have Ken, who's the descendant of Reed Richards, then you know, then it's like it's like a, it's like a huge Fantastic Four Easter egg, and maybe the Fantastic Four even show up, which I think is fucking crazy. We talked about it, I think, um, last night or the other night, that Kang's connection to Reed is practically like an Easter egg at this point. Like it, it kind of holds no, like it, it doesn't matter in the long run if he's connected to Reed or, or Doom because they've never actually sort of explored that aspect of the character, right? It's something that if you never read a comic book and you go to Google, people think like, oh my God, I know this thing about Kang. It couldn't be any less important in the comics. Um, <laughs> only recently in the Doctor Doom series has they have they even in Cantwell's Doctor Doom series have they even kind of talked about it at all um, with Kang and Doom? I don't even know if I just said the right author. I got my I might have my head mixed up. It doesn't matter, but it's irrelevant. And Kang, you know, is a is associated with Fantastic Four as a villain, but yeah, this this relationship to Reed, the relationship to Victor, is not important, and it's not going to be the focal point of what's going on. And I do think. You know, it were you might see him in a Fantastic Four movie down the road. Sure, it might have something. One of my earliest yeah. pitches for how you bring the Fantastic Four to the MCU was to have had them travel through time on accident and have them re-enter. Um, you know, have them having left in the sixties and have them re-enter the modern day now as 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 the Fantastic Four who have missed forty years of life or whatever, thirty years of life. Who knows? I did. I wrote that back at MCU Exchange. I think that's a great way. But I certainly think Kang's going to be around for more than just this one film. And we, we could see him tie into the Fantastic Four. But yeah, that relationship to Reed is way overblown, in my opinion. That is not, not supposed to be a big deal. Before we move on, um, what films are we looking at where Kang could show up? I mean, you've got Loki, which is like a huge possibility. Ant-Man 3. Like, realistically, what other property mode do you see this character popping up? It, it's interesting. It depends on what they do here. But the, the, he could show up in Captain Marvel 2. Um, certainly Fantastic Four. I think you're looking at, I think you're probably looking at majors being around for maybe like five or six years. So there's films that they haven't even developed yet that we don't know about that he could be showing up in. And it just depends how far yeah. they want to go, um, how far down his crazy storyline they want to take it. But yeah, I think, I think you're going to see at least for sure Ant-Man 3, Loki, Fantastic Four. Um, man, maybe Doctor Strange too. even. I mean, who knows? The guy... They just cast the guy in Doctor Strange starts in two months, so he could somehow show up over there for all we know. Hey, you made a great point earlier that they're casting this guy this early in the, in the process because they want him. You know, they're probably prepping him for for what they have in store for him in the next like five or six years. Because remember, John Brown was cast in Thanos in, in 2014, I think. That's when the that's when the I think Variety story came out that they got Josh Brown to play Thanos, and he didn't he didn't show up for like until four years later so you know it's such a big role it's such an important role and they really want to prepare for this as early as they can uh so, moving somebody, on somebody in discord made yeah. made said that the most important thing about majors being cast as kang is that now people can stop thinking that harley keener is going to be iron lad yeah i think that it's <laughs> probably one of the worst sort of um fan ideas i've heard harley keener is a uh, iron man i mean i don't hate the character but i don't think he's, he's he should be iron lad uh, moving on, Olivia Wilde uh, made some very interesting comments, I think yesterday or this week, in an interview with, with Entertainment Weekly. She was asked basically about that Spider-Man, Spider-Woman project she has with Sony, and she named up Kevin Feige's name nonchalantly, like it was no big deal. But a lot of, a lot of people, including us, took, took to that as a, 
took that as a, I guess, a semi-confirmation that, you know, Kevin Feige might be involved in this project, which is which is surprising because he, he's pretty much absent for all the Sony Marvel bullshit that's happening that's not Tom Holland Spider-Man. So it's pretty huge. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, I guess in many ways, this sort of confirms what he's been talking about the last couple of months, that Kevin Feige is interested in doing a Jessica Drew project with Sony to make it like a co-op, like this, the Tom Holland films. But yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think here we have to be careful of confirmation bias. Like, I want that to be true because all the way back to February, when I first found out about the Spider-Woman project, I saw some signs that indicated that, okay, maybe this is going to be something Marvel Studios works on. Uh, finding out that Rachel O'Connor was working on the film and she worked on Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man. I don't think she's going to be working on Spider-Man 3 because I think she's going to be busy with this. But that was that was interesting to me. And so I started to think like, hey, maybe there's something to this. And then shortly after that, we talked about in the pod, um, I don't know, March maybe, that I had heard some rumors that they were that Sony and Marvel were talking. And there was some interest in their part on, on maybe working with Sony on this one. So when I hear Olivia Wilde say that, I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That sounds just like what I want it to sound like. But I have to be careful not to take it as, you know, ironclad evidence that, yeah, the, the Jessica Drew movie, the Spider-Man movie is going to be a Marvel Studios property just like Spider-Man. I just so we got to be careful there. But it's super exciting because as we've talked about here a bunch of times, um, the character is only going to get served well if they work together. Sony has part of her rights. Spider or uh, Jesus Marvel has part of her rights. The Spider-Woman character, the name Spider-Woman can't even be used by Marvel. They can just call her Jessica Drew and basically do her secret super spy stuff. Um, it's just such a better character if they can have the complete package. And so I, I continue to hope that that's the case. Um, and yeah, that little comment by Olivia Wilde, she didn't even seem to know what she was, you know, that she might be hinting anything at all, but man, that sound, that was, that sounded really good to me, but yeah, I gotta be careful not to take it and run. Part of me is like, just excited that, yeah, this Jessica Drew project is happening. And like you said, you always talk about it. Um, you know, a character like that, it's best to have both both like the the, the spider-man world and the avengers sort of world with hydra and whatnot because you know if you get one it's sort of just half of what makes the character cool and and it's very exciting um, do you think that because we've been hearing about secret invasion happening kevin feige might be quote-unquote might be working on this spider-woman project is there is there is there do you see like a possibility of like them tying the character into Secret Invasion, where in the comics she's practically like the big battle, like the central character to the story. You think they're gonna bring that in? That's always been hard for me to to fathom be- because <clears throat> we're bringing her in so late in the game, and in the comics she's been around for so long, and she was already untrustworthy, right? Like if you read that event, she's already on on the outs with the Avengers. They already don't trust her, and so it's years of a buildup that allow that story to work. I just don't know how it would work in the movies. I think you're better off with using another character. So I know that, that a lot of fans of hers are like excited because she's central to Secret Invasion. To me, it's hard to wrap my head around, but that doesn't mean that that's not what they'll do. I, I just don't see, I don't see the way forward with it. Um, so I, I don't know. But I know that the fans, her fans, and there are a lot of hardcore Spider-Woman fans out there, would love for that to happen. I also like to think that because Olivia Wilde is such like such a, like a rising director currently. I have a feeling like Kevin Feige was sort of envious that Sony got 
first before they could. So I, part of me thinks that Kevin Feige was like, all right, I fucking want to work with Olivia. I want her on my fucking team. So <laughs> I'll help you. I'll, I'll help Sony's uh, stupid movie. Because he, Feige didn't give a fuck with, uh, with, with the Morbius or Venom. He's like, he didn't, he didn't give a fuck about anyone working on that. So, you know, I like to think that Olivia Wilde was sort of one of the draws to for Kevin Feige to work on it. Well, it's it's interesting though because like if I'm thinking about this right, it was Feige that would have brought Watts on to do Homecoming and um, Far From Home, so maybe maybe he's the one who brought Olivia Wilde on to work, which would be a dead giveaway that it's a Marvel mm-hmm. Studios project, right? Yeah, very exciting nonetheless. We hope it ends up being you know the thing we think we the thing we think it is. It's uh, you know we can only hope for the best for for a great character like uh, Spider Woman. Uh, moving on. Uh, the Fal- some Falcon and the Winter Soldier news. GSP was spotted on set. Finally, uh, we've been hearing rumblings about the character, this character Batroc the Leap returning. Um, this week we finally got some actual hard evidence that he's back. Um, he's he's back to wearing that that purple vest. Also, we got we got to see Sharon Carter looking very very VIP in her yeah. in her power suit. Um, thoughts on this? Does it does it does it excite you? Uh, do you want to see some more um, savat? They go, what do you call uh, that French fighting stuff? Savate, savat. Are you excited to see more of GSP kicking some ass? I I do because it would be awful boring to me to bring someone like GSP back to have them you know walk in on one day, have sit down at a cafe, have a conversation with a couple characters, and get up and walk out. Like if you don't bring the guy back and have him involved in a fight scene. It seems like a waste to me, but maybe they have future plans for the character too. Um, but yeah, I love, I just love the character being back at all because it continues to build that shady underworld that Captain America dealt with um, during Grunewald's run, right? Like they were, they were in Madripoor. There's the the you know all the all the the scourge of the underworld, the the Serpent Society, all these like shady organizations that that aren't in plain sight. Like I, I really like the idea, you know, Batroc being a pirate or whatever, you know, and just, I, I like that. I like that a lot. So I'm all for it. Uh, that scene is that we saw some set pictures of, it seemed like he was talking to, uh, or at least meeting with, um, Desmond Chiam's character. We don't still know who he's playing, but yeah. it looks pretty boring, right? Like he was pretty much just wearing a black suit, um, or a black outfit. So it didn't, did, didn't give much away there as far as who his character is. But yeah, I think it's, Anything that they're going to do to continue to have, though, sprinkle in some more flavor to that world is really cool. It's also sort of like a nice continuity thing with uh, Falcon and uh, rather uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Because, you know, it's, still, it's probably still the most beloved standalone um, MCU movie up to now by, by even non-MCU fans. So it's sort of nice to bring that that element into this world, sort of just to tie it together and, you know, you know, just just make it more cohesive, and like you said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of fucking shady characters here, and it makes sense that Matt is here. I wonder what he's been up to these these past few years because last we saw him, he was he was like under um he was he was under Nick Fury's um watch right when they when they arrested him from the uh, Lemurian Star. I'm not quite sure if it's if Alexander Pierce got him or or, or if it was Fury, but you know. I'm just excited to see the character. I like the guy. I like the actor playing him, and uh, it's all good news. Uh, next up, She-Hulk production start. It's uh, hold on. Actually, did not see the full report on this, but She-Hulk's 
bound to start. When is it starting? Is it uh, January of next year? February of next year. Yeah. Um, again, and these kinds of stories aren't really exciting to me. I'm excited that they found a director, but as for the production dates and whatnot, you know, we always say this like every episode, shit can change because of COVID. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like just, I guess, anchor myself to this February date, but we'll see about what, your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's, it's only good to know that it's back on track, right? Like at one point it was ready for November. So it gives, it gives us an idea of how far behind they feel like they are on some of these things. Right. So it looks like right now they're, they've moved it three months down the road from, from where it was. So, you know, it's, it's also good to know like when we might see it now. So if it's going to shoot in February of 2021, it's pretty much going to be an early 2022 series. Those are the takeaways I have from it. We still don't know who's playing She-Hulk. We don't know anything at all about it other than the writer's room are, uh, are all directors who are all writers who have written comedy and the director who they hired, who I'm not familiar with at all. I just looked on IMDb and she's done a lot of comedy stuff. She's always sunny in Philadelphia, um, the mix. So, so she's, you know, it, it just gives you more of an idea of what they're going for. Um, what kind of humor they're going for. We've always known it was going to be a funny, a funny take as soon as they hired um, the, the writers that they did. But now we have, now we get a little bit more of an idea of what kind of funny we're going to get. So yeah, it's exciting, but to be honest with you, it's so far away, and so much shit could change, and, and I'm so focused yeah. on the stuff that's going on right now that it's it's not super exciting to me at all, but in February, I'll be excited about it. Did we talk about the uh, the Doctor Strange story put out a week ago? About it starting in November? Yeah. Have we talked about yeah, that? I don't, know. I don't know if we ever did or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so go ahead. Go, tell us more about it. I don't think we... <laughs> I don't think we did, yeah. Yeah, there's there's only there's not much more to say. Um, but I know a lot of people were convinced with that March twenty fifth date, um, that Doctor Strange would not shoot until early next year. And that's just flat out not the case. Like it is they have been in pre production. They're absolutely gonna get going in November, uh, all you know, uh, assuming that COVID doesn't put the brakes on. Um, but this is great news because I, at the time that it happened, and we've talked about this a couple times too on this on the on the show, um, it seemed like they just shoved Doctor Strange over there. We we knew that all four of those movies weren't going to come out bang 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 like that. It was just a placeholder. And even even right before I, I shared this news, I did mention on Discord. I think I might have mentioned it on Twitter as well um, that I was pretty sure that there was going to be another release date shuffle. Um, and so I, the reason I mentioned that was because I had heard some rumblings about Dr. Strange getting started in November, which I was able to confirm. And so I'm, I'm fairly certain that if everything stays on track, that, that Dr. Strange is going to get pushed back into 2021 and we'll be seeing it in November of 2021. Um, fingers crossed that everything stays good because Spider-Man got moved. Spider-Man may get moved again. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be ready at least for a 2021 release. So a 2021 release is pretty exciting. Um, we'll start hearing casting for sure in the next six weeks or so, because they're going to have to um, have people, you know, taking off on planes, going over to the UK and people find that shit out all the time. So that that's going to be a pretty big deal. You're going to get some pretty, pretty major castings, right? You're going to have um, America Chavez. You're going to get maybe Clea and brother voodoo. So there's going to be some big time names that are going to be, um, added to the list, and that's really cool. 
Uh, last part. Uh, we got some trailers to talk about. The Dune trailer. I think we talked about the Dune trailer, but it dropped last week. Last night, we got the uh, first look at the Mandalorian. So, what are your thoughts on these two uh, sci-fi trailers? Did you get to see the, the, the Dune trailer? Yeah, I did. I did check them both out. The Dune trailer looks like visually stunning. Um, yeah, I have no idea if you can make it into a, a really great story or not. That that's gonna depend on how what you know when we see the full movie. But it looks beautiful. Um, it, it's it's something you watch it, and I, the first time I watched it, honestly, I didn't even know what was going on in the trailer because I was just so caught up in looking at it. I had to watch it again and pay attention to what was being said. So yeah, it's beautiful. Wouldn't expect anything less from the guy who directed it either. I mean, the guy has made his his name making visually stunning films. Um, yeah, what did you think about that one? Yeah, the Doom trailer was was pretty great. Like you said, the visuals were on point. Um, I am kind of confused with the with the story because I I haven't seen the the David Lynch version, and from what I heard, this is a very very unadaptable story. A lot of people said it's like Watchmen that you can't fucking adapt this without without cutting key parts. So you know, it looks great, but I was I was kind of confused by what was going on because there's there's a lot going on get stabbed with like a needle in the neck and then a worm pops up and you know something about <laughs> spices Batista shows up Aquaman shows up Zendaya, Zendaya shows up so it, it's a lot of stuff happening a lot of people showing up but like like, like you I'm, I'm on board just for the visuals alone and I can't wait to see um what they have what they have in store for this um as for the Mando I, it was great seeing hearing rather Pedro Pascal as a as the Mando it was great seeing that um, it, it's, it's like a very, very brief moment in the trailer where you see a bunch of Gamorrean guards doing it out in the ring. That's cool. Overall, it's just seeing Baby Yoda again. It's just like pretty, pretty great. It, it just blows my mind that we got season one just last year and like a year later we're getting season two. I'm surprised at the, the turnover with how they're producing fast because they want it out because it's such a big hit. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the the Mando trailer? Yeah, I loved I loved even though we didn't um, didn't get to see a ton of the new characters, you do get an idea of what's going on, right? Like his job now is going to be to try to reunite um, or to unite, I guess, because I don't think Baby Yoda came from the Jedi, but he's going to be he's going to be tracking down Jedi, trying to get them uh, to to take this little creature. That's pretty interesting. I like the voiceover. I have no idea who was doing the voiceover, but that was cool. Um, I like that. It seems it seems like it was just one little scene, but it made it seem like the relationship between Baby Yoda and Mando has grown so much because um, they're in the in the boxing ring area there, the gladiator ring. Baby Yoda sees that shit's about to get real, and he closes his little little ball <laughs> inside of it, right? Like he knows what's coming. So they've they've come so far that he knows that shit's about to hit the fan, and he takes it. He hides. Um, whereas last year he was always getting in trouble for hopping out of his little ball, right? Like that was, that was a running thing last year. Um, and the other thing that really stood out to me because it just was, it was a story that we just talked about, um, on the, on the site the other day, they're creating more of these, um, these volume technologies to, to, for future films and stuff. So I, I really was just paying attention to the backgrounds and there were a couple, I think like wherever they were, it was really snowy and wherever they were, it was really rocky and sandy that. I mean, you would you would have to work really hard to convince me that they weren't actually in a desert or in a fucking snowy place because it looks so good. And I'm not even sure that when they were on the boat that they were actually on a boat. Like, I mean, they, they're on a boat, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, 
the whole thing with the volume is such a massive leap in, in CGI and filmmaking that I'm surprised that you know the Marvel films are, are just utilizing that now. And they could have, you know, as soon as COVID has started, they should have fucking okay, let's do this. Let's, let's find a way to to mass produce the volume so that you know all our Disney properties can film, all, all the Disney Plus shows can film. Um, yeah, it's just so mind blowing to me that they're just doing this now. But I'm excited that this piece of technology is gonna help. Shit, not even just Disney, but I hope you know the whole of Hollywood finds a way mm-hmm. to use this because it's such a, especially during this time, it's such a, I guess, a lifesaver to 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 speed things up, to to make things. I don't know if it's cheaper or not, but you know, it, it, I'm I'm sure it's not as it's not worse than just delaying filming it and delaying and delaying and delaying and having crew members get sick. I mean, at this point, just fucking use the volume. Yeah, you can you can create that bubble. Like the NBA has had almost no issues since they've put those people in that bubble, and now you can make a yeah. production bubble, and you never have to leave it because any you can be any place you want to be in that room, and that's that's going to be a big deal. Um, they're making a huge one for Thor for um, Love and Thunder, and I think the big thing that people don't take into into account is that it it eliminates the green screen, and and that not only looks better, but it saves so much time. Like then they don't have to go in and edit it out and lay things over top of it. And you could see if you watch that episode of the gallery, um, that they were able to see what it looked like. So they could, they could, instead of having to wait a day or two days for the finished effects to come back, they could look at it right then and there and decide if they liked it. That's going to be huge. That's going to help productions get done more quickly. And I remember people talking about, Man, it would be cool if the Marvel Studios shows um, would have those. I, I'm pretty sure that at least with WandaVision, I know that when they were on the set of WandaVision, like they were on the stages, they were shooting behind the scenes shit. So they were, they were taking part of the day to shoot behind the scenes stuff. So I'm guessing that you're going to see a WandaVision gallery and a, and a Falcon and the Winter Soldier gallery. Um, and stuff like that. So I, I, or maybe those have a gallery for all of those shows together. But I know yeah. for a fact that they that they spent time shooting behind the scenes stuff. So I, we're going to get something, which is really cool for people who like us who will actually sit down and watch those things. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's about time that Marvel got back to giving us like behind the scenes stuff because I think they stopped doing that like around, I guess, at least for Phase Three and Phase Two, like some of the DVDs they've had, the, the Blu-rays. They've been missing that huge, huge sort of a documentary. Like when Iron Man came out, the first Iron Man, like the documentary that came with it, um, the, the behind the scenes was like two hours long, and that sort of just disappeared throughout the year. So I'm glad they're we're getting that because, man, I would have watched like a fucking two hour documentary on how they made Endgame and Infinity War back to back because it's it's so interesting. All right, guys, that does it for episode 63. This was uh, really exciting for us to be able to talk about this Kang stuff. We've been, we've been hoping, keeping our fingers crossed that we'd see this guy for a long time. And, uh, and to get the confirmation that it really does look like the young, not, I guess it's not confirmation, but it's pretty damn close, that the young Avengers are going to be showing up in Ant-Man 3. Um, that, that's really, really cool. So uh, we hope you guys are doing well and taking care. And we will be talking to you again soon. Bye.